Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of bass guitar, the show of LCD sound system reforming. That's right. Sandra Spaulding, director of marketing for Twin Liquor, and I discuss in this interview how LCD sound system was going to get back together. Now, mind you, this is like three or four weeks ago. We knew it, and now they are one of the headliners for Coachella 2016. But Coachella and music aside for a moment, this week is the wonderful annual event in San Antonio, the San Antonio Cocktail Conference. All of your friends, all of my friends in the industry, lovers, hobbyists, they're heading to San Antonio to learn a bit about the industry, to drink a bit with some friends. And this year, among the sponsors, Twin Liquors, is a big supporter of the San Antonio Cocktail Conference. I thought it would be perfect time to share some stories from one of the masterminds of marketing there, Sandra Spaulding. We've known each other a few years. We definitely are fellow musicians, and we get to dive in deeply, as we often do on the show, into music. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Sandra Spaulding. There's so much access now, you know, yeah. that it's almost like I almost kind of become paralyzed with, by music now. It's like we I mean, when we were kids, I mean, well, actually, I don't know how old you are, but when I was a kid, <laughs> so old, so very old <laughs> when I was a kiddo, it was all about, you know, the a- things that you have access to. Yeah. And now we have access to so much that that I almost kind of, you know, I have to like be very deliberate in the way I approach trying to find new music because mm-hmm. it's just disgusting out there. Sorry, <laughs> but it, it is. And like, just you know, because there's so much like just terrible oh derivative bullshit. Yeah. 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 And I'm not saying like, I mean, everybody who's writing music, like they're hoping to do, well, maybe they are hoping to do something better, or create something and kudos to them for trying, but yeah. it's just, there's just, that I need, I need a better filter. And, you know, like, I mean, yeah. I love, we were talking about Spotify. I love the Discover Weekly, which is great. I mean, 90% of the music on it, it's music I already know, but it's yeah. stuff I just never think but they, to but put they, on. Is it weird that they know you? Because it feels Super like, weird. wait, are you guys paying attention? <laughs> What's the deal? But the New Music Friday playlist that they put out is just disgusting. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'll scroll through it real quick just to see, oh, oh, there's the new Bowie track, which I already knew was coming. Right, you know, right, right. Thing. But anyway. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's, it is. It's getting shitty. But, you know, I always thought about, like... It goes well, around, my, though. It'll it go, does. It'll come back around. And there's some great stuff happening out there, too. Oh, for sure. For sure. So. I, I think still all the good stuff happens in, across the pond for me. <laughs> all the, all the goody, of it. A lot of it is pretty good. And so, <laughs> oh, God, did you hear the, the Radiohead cover? That the, the the Bond theme they did for Spectre? Yeah, that got rejected. They rejected. <laughs> so... Got rejected. It was on SoundCloud last yeah, week, right? Right. It got they released it as a Christmas present, which oh very thoughtful of them, you know. But think about it got rejected for Sam Smith. Yeah. It, there there you go. Case in God, point. That's so horrible. And you know what? My mom loves Sam Smith. So sure. great. You know what? That's great. Like totally I, I want there to be stuff out there for everybody, yeah. but 
uh, you know, now I'm, I'm forgetting what my original point was, but, um, oh, the point being that you have to work really hard. You know, as, as a kid, I had to work hard to find stuff that I liked because I didn't have access to yeah, it. Yeah, it's hard. Now I have to work hard to like filter, to filter. through all the it's bullshit. It's on the other end of it, right? You know? It's such a, it, it's an interesting flip. It's a continuum where, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, too much or so little, I have to go explore. And now there's so much delivered to me, hand curated for me. Thank you, Spotify. But it's still, you still have to sift through it and find good things because there's so much shit. There really, there really is. And it's and, like that with everything now. Yeah. Potato chip brands. Mm, I love potato chips. <laughs> Flavored vodkas. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually probably go pretty well together. So the, the ancillary market, parallel markets. That's, that's pretty good. So looking back at the, if, so if you could think about recap musically for you this year in 2015, because Spotify did it. They luckily, they so beautifully summarized my music listening for 2015 with this p p nice personalized site and stuff. Do you, was there anything that really s struck out for you or stuck out for you? Oh in 15? my gosh. Something I haven't even really thought about. Yeah. Um, not that I can think of right off the top of my head. Um, what I did get excited about the other day was LCD sound systems, new song they just put out. Hmm? Yeah. Christmas song. It's really? incredible. Christmas will break your heart. Oh, and it's all, uh, you know, New York, uh, you're bringing me down. It's, yeah, it's yeah. really great, which kind of gets me excited about the hope that they're going to tour again. That that I hear. Well, there's like happen. there's rumors. They haven't confirmed it yet. But I mean, you put out a song. On. You're not just like, you don't just go in studio and you're like, yeah, that's it. I've had enough. Yeah. No, you've seen James Murphy's like his whole the bottle collection, his equipment and stuff. There's no way you go in there for like 20 minutes and take off. You're yeah. you're going to hunker down and you're going to record some stuff. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure. So that got that got me pretty excited. Um, and there, I mean, there's been some great releases this year. I can't think of, you know, what oh, I've it's been a lot. There's been to. so much. So. I, luckily, I had Spotify helped me. Can I bring this down just a yeah, sure. tiny, tiny bit? Absolutely. Like I can't see you. I, no one wants to see me. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> no one does. But no, apparently uh, for me, it was Fugazi this year which is, you know, about 20 years too late. But it's still, that's what I listened to the most this year is Fugazi oh, wow. and John Carpenter. Oh, John so Carpenter. Spotify told you that. Yeah, it told me number oh, one, two, the, the most listened to albums, the most listened to songs, and basically, like, t my charts for me. Oh, cool. I'm pretty predictable. It's actually kind of sad, actually. I'm going to, I want to go look at that. It's going to tell me that I listen to all kinds of terrible workout music because I do listen to like the most horror as I, you know, as I talk about all the shitty music out there and then it's I'm got like, its place. Yeah, it's and then I place. listen to all this like crappy music, yeah. but, uh, you know, with our, with all the Zumba and the working out and at the gym and everything. But. There's Pitbull. Well, let's listen. So what we'll use, we'll use Pitbull as a method of transitioning into a different part of the conversation. Sure, sure. Because Pitbull really bothers the fuck out of me. I don't know why, but but he's it's the Budweiser spokesperson. It's terrible. So. Like, it is terrible, right? But it just, whatever it does, it just makes me want to. Maybe it makes me mad, and that's oh, why I work out. Good. Like, I work out really hard. It's <laughs> a revolutionary workout. Your yes. root, your root. I'm running for my life. Running from Pitbull. <laughs> It's like you represent everything I hate before I'm fighting against you every single workout. That's good. That is a great reason to listen to Pitbull. Right. That's absolutely amazing. Right. <laughs> so, so for what I understand, you know, we, we met a few years ago now. And, and I think, again, like you and Ian, we, we just kind of had this like kindred spirit in this about sure. music, music and writing music, listening to music, all this kind of stuff. And not to mention the whole booze bit. But 
if I recall, so you are originally from SoCal? I grew up, yeah, I was born in East LA and oh, then wow. um, lived in that area for a while. And then when my folks got divorced, my mom moved us to the beach. So I grew up beach. in Huntington Beach. How, how old when you moved um, to the I was kind of in that like six to ten year old range oh, okay. uh, where I was doing some back and forth. And then so, I mean, I really did grow up, you know, in Huntington. Yeah. Um, and is, is East LA rough? I've never been. I've been there except for for accident. It's considered that way. Yeah, yeah it's but you didn't. To get, you didn't notice. Like it's it was... getting gentrified. No, I mean, and where I lived, like where I ended up living, was not East LA proper. Yeah. Um, it was a city called Montebello, um, and uh, very very tight tight knit Armenian community. Yeah. Because that was the one thing, that was the other thing I remember. It's yeah. like, I, I don't know what was at stake. If it was a free drink or something, or like, if you can guess my nationality, I'll get you a drink. There's lots of motivation oh, for me. Yeah, and I'm like, I botched the shit out of it. Yeah, so, but no. Armenian is a distinctly proud and distinctly cultural ethnicity. Is that fair to say? Yes, very much so. Yeah, small little country. And- yeah. Um, and, uh, but people with, you know, a lot of pride, big hearts, a huge community in the LA area. And so I went to Armenian school as a child. And then, like I said, when my folks got divorced, I kind of slowly transitioned into the like beach, you know, culture and lifestyle. And at that point, you know, my dad was still in LA. So I was doing a lot of back and forth. So it was kind of interesting because I ended up growing up with like a foot in that world Mm -hmm. and then a foot in this very like, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed right. <laughs> community of the, the antithesis. Oh, actually, it yeah. was such it was such a trip for me. Um, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm at a junior high with a surf team. You yeah. know, I mean, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, you know, that's incredible. Um, so it was it was quite different, but it really kind of gave me some interesting, you know, culture diversity. What and, and because I'm not too, too familiar, what was Armenian school like? I mean, what's different about that? Is it, It's not like a semin, seminary school. No, anything, it was just right? private school, oh, okay. but it was an Armenian school. So we had um, some of our classes. Well, we had Armenian like. Mm-hmm you know, language class. Um, and then the, you know, like, even though we spoke English in the, in the classroom, there was like some Armenian that was spoken to yeah. and Armenian wow. history class. And that's you know. so cool. Yeah. And it helps build kind of a really strong sense of community too, right? It really does. And so take it, taking that and then almost being disjointed and having this kind of other, was you said middle school kind yeah, of experience? Pretty much. Yeah. Lots of surfer kids. I yeah, can imagine. It was wild. Huntington beach, you said, right? Yes. Huntington. Yeah. And I was like, I was an anomaly, you know, when I showed up on the scene halfway through middle school, you know, of course, I don't start with everybody else. I start in the middle of it all. And I just was so self-conscious of my dark hair and dark. Well, I'm not that dark, but at the time I was a lot darker. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I've got like a little bump on my nose and it was like just this like girl who's so like you know my mom was like you're exotic and i'm like but i just want to look she, like she everybody marketing else. that's a brilliant <laughs> term for it so i was i was very self-conscious as a child and i don't know also an only child so. oh really okay yeah yeah i did so you know I'll, to 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 ante up a little bit of a personal like the same thing i moved around lots when i when i was younger and i i started junior high in salt lake city which is not a very diverse <laughs> the city mind wow. you and but i i got more mature like and, and i not evolved but i i grew up quick more quickly than the other kids and i always was felt so different like well i've got hair now it's not a thing like i know so many dudes that are hairy as shit right but they, but i you know 
hairy arms, armpit, like, and I just was always looking around, like, is, is everybody looking at me because I look so different because right. I'm at this other point, like, and, and people are uncomfortable with themselves and things, but it works out. But what was it that helped you kind of bridge that gap of being what you felt is different? Was it, was it music? Was it creativity, music, yeah. um, being an only child, I really, I did a lot of stuff on my own and but even though i had a lot of friends and i was always kind of like the ringleader mm -hmm. i still preferred like to work on projects on my own a little bit more of a lone wolf in that regard yeah. which is kind of if you know me it's you're like really yeah but yeah but you know when it comes to like i i have a very like i get very serious about a vision that i have for something mm -hmm. and I don't play well with others sometimes because you got you want to see yeah, it through. Yeah, you're a good director. And, uh, and I, yes, I had my <laughs> moments too as a as a kiddo being that, and uh, and that really did actually help me. And also, um, just being around adults, I I just I always craved like the stories they would tell, and, and yeah. I wanted that those experiences. Like I, I liked the life I was in, and I was very happy, and I was always a happy child, and. Yeah. I always had a good time and enjoyed the things I was doing. But, you know, I just the stories that my elders told me and like the story of my my grandmother and my grandfather and how they got together, mm -hmm. you know, during the war and just not. That do, you, I, do you remember the story? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, my do you want me to yeah, tell, yeah, it? <laughs> tell it? No, I mean, I'm riveted already. I'm like, it, wait, what was the story? No, the it's story? it's amazing. My um, so on my father's side, um. My grandmother was living in Kiev in Russia okay, yeah. and um, and or the Ukraine, Ukraine. and um, and so the Germans invade and they basically like come into the town and say, hey, everybody's got to leave. Mm -hmm. Not that nicely, obviously, sure, but sure. so everybody gets packed up and, you know, gets on the train to leave. Well, my grandmother and her best friend, Vera, um, decide to go back to the house to get something. Well, they go back. When they come back, the train is gone with their family, and the family has the papers. Oh, so now they're geez. stuck. They have no papers, right? Mm -hmm. They're at this train station. Of course, then they get apprehended by the German police that want to know where are your papers. They don't have their papers, so they get arrested. So they end up in a German prison. and um, but it, Like a, a bars kind of prison or yeah. like a work camp? Well, no, in a bars kind of okay, prison. Okay, okay. Which is a better scenario in that case. Different. Yeah. Different, it, when yeah. it was, you know, it was, it was makeshift too at the oh, time because okay. it was, you know, in their in town. Russia, right? yeah. yeah, in their town. So, um, so at the time there was a German officer who was very um, sympathetic to the Armenians and he knew of this man who was a translator who was Armenian, who was my grandfather. Oh, wow. And he was, he spoke eight languages and so he was... You know, he worked, he actually was in the French Foreign Legion, but he was doing translating yeah. uh, for German officials when needed. But it was just, it was all very confusing and you don't really get like the whole story. Cause right. But he was helping out. Like he knew, he, he, he had, was a conduit to being able to like communicate from Germans to the, right. the locals. And right. And he did what he was told. Right. So at the time, so my grandmother's in prison with her best friend and my grandfather and they weren't together at this time. They'd never yeah. met each other. Ends up he's reading her name on a manifest and he sees, you know, Catherine Hocharian and he's like, Oh, this is Armenian lady. So ends up helping her and her best friend escape. Oh wow! And they end up going, you know, they end up getting, you know, getting out of there and mm -hmm. then get helps her get reunited with her family 
Where did uh, they? Where did her family end up? So they all ended up in uh, Stuttgart, Germany, in a displaced Stuttgart. persons camp, and oh, that's wow. where my. So they got together there. They got married wow. there at the displaced persons camp, and then that's where my father was born in the camp. Oh my god! Or in Stuttgart. Yeah. And uh, and then you know several years later, Roosevelt they opened the borders, and then the family came over, and so. My family was fortunate enough to not have to suffer any major casualties, you know, of the family. But and then, you know, and all those people who came over, they all came over, you know, they all stayed together like they were family. Yeah. And so going back to my original point, hearing those stories of my grandmother and my grandfather, their best friends, you know, people yeah, that I yeah. call aunts and uncles that you sure. know I'm not related to, but. Those stories to me were always so fascinating and, you know, not that I ever wanted an experience like that, but I always, I just felt like, you know, the meaningfulness of what they went through and the meaningfulness of, of life and that, yeah. that's always what it I wanted. It counted for something. It, it did. It did. And like, I'm here because of that, Yeah. you know, and then wow. in the meantime, you know, like I'm hearing these stories, but I'm seeing my grandfather sitting on a lounge chair in his, you know, in his in his swimming trunks, drinking yeah. a Pernod, going for a swim in the afternoon. And I'm thinking, like, how did he get from there to, this. to here? Yeah. You know, this seems like a huge shift. Huge into, shift. Yeah. Ends up living in Los Angeles. He buys a gas station, buys another one, owns an exporting company, oh, wow. you know, and then That's builds so his little empire. And, you know, it's just it's amazing to me. And that to me is kind of that's what got me from being you know that middle schooler who was kind of embarrassed of maybe a little bit embarrassed of who I was or confused about who I sure, was sure. and what I meant in this world to kind of getting over that hump and to realizing like this this life has got to have some meaning it's got to have some purpose wow. I'm certainly well I say this I, I don't think I'll ever be in a war or in a situation like my grandmother or grandfather but you know I want to make sure that what I'm doing every day is meaningful and so that's kind of Wow. Yeah. It's an amazing thread, an amazing <laughs> uh, paradigm to have for life. A lot of people don't seemingly find that deep of a meaning that early on, you know, like you kind of saw it, saw it early. Like you realize these people had struggled. You you realize they're worldly. You realize there's a sense of community that they brought over to the state. I mean, that's a that's a hell of an influence on somebody to try it to make, make an impact. Yeah. It did. And, it, you know, I don't know if at the time I was really realizing what happened. Yeah. I can look back on it now and all those people are, you know, the, the grandparent um, generation, they're all, they're pretty much all gone. Um, but they, you know, they're the ones, too, that kind of gave me my my idea of hospitality. And, and I mentioned my grandfather drinking a Pernod, yeah, yeah. you know, like that was classy guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was his thing. He drank, you know, his Pernod, took a swim, then came back, had a vodka and then drank wine with dinner. You know, yeah. and my dad always jokes, oh, you're just like your grandfather. <laughs> my parents really don't drink that much. He was like, oh, it skipped a generation, yeah. you know. It's like but, baldness, drinking. Baldness. Yeah. But that, you know, and to me, what they went through, how they got to be where they are today. And now they celebrate, you know, yeah. every birthday was a family affair every occasion it was just all of us always together all generations from the kids to the grandparents everybody just having a good time and and it was all about that hospitality and I think that that was just like bred into me sure. from that so that's so cool and maybe a little bit you know when my folks got divorced and I was removed from that there was mm -hmm. a part of me I think that craved that too so I kind of I I ran after that a little bit as yeah. I got older you know that 
that sense of camaraderie and right. So. And so, what what did that did that kind of translate into the stuff you were doing in middle school and in high school? Maybe debate is one I think for some people like there's a community there. There I did, did. I pin you, did I pin you for a debate? Yes, <laughs> M U N. Model United Nations. Yes, see, Model UN. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I did the same shit. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, to me, it was a game, though. Yeah. You what know? was the game of, of it? Just debate. Winning? No, Deba- it's just fun. Like, yeah. okay, what do you want me to argue? Sure. Because I, I can see it from all angles. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, I, I find people's mentality so interesting, you know, and I don't want to get into politics or anything, but... You know, to me, it's just fascinating to be able to like you can argue every yeah. angle if you really put your mind to it. And I think that actually takes a lot of empathy, though, to be able to see it from someone else's perspective. I think that's something that a lot of people lose and that they're not willing to really accept. Um, now, now it, c- it could also mean that we are observant. You could also just pay a lot of attention to see that. But I think understanding where someone's coming from is a really important thing that a lot of people don't have that ability because they don't want to see. That's so important, though. Yeah, it's really important. It's, yeah, I mean, that's that's how you, I don't know, that's how I get through. Yeah. I, I Just when I think I'm upset with somebody, I really try to like, okay, where are they coming from? Why yeah. Why are they behaving there's this Because there's always a reason, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's money, whether it's mental illness, sure. <laughs> in the case of certain ca- candidates, right? But maybe they just have had a hard go. You know, maybe it's been a really tricky life up till now. And it's hard to, to ignore that. And it's But it's so paramount to understanding people. Oh, sure. Know? Yeah. It's one of those things. So besides debate, was that something? I mean, I remember when they kind of planted that seed in my head. I was doing <laughs> I was doing uh, extempor- ex- extemp- extemporaneous speaking. I did some Lincoln Douglas. There was sparring. There's like this two-minute one, some cross-axles. Oh, nerdy funny. bullshit oh my god the the <laughs> it felt like enron destroying records when they were creating all the files for the cross x where they would cut out newspapers and tape them and you remember all that stuff it's insane i you know for me like because i was more on the on the mun side it yeah, was more yeah. about like you know uh, international politics mm-hmm. so i was very I, I was actually more focused on what was going on overseas than i was in our own you know in our own country and mm-hmm. in our own business world and politics and so it's fun though that stuff is, it's, it's a, a game it's again a, it, you're it's right a game, it's a game you know let's just strip it down yeah. it's a fucking game <laughs> right. and if it's there's a competition to it at least for me like outdoing the other guy being smarter being more eloquent blah 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 and debate and perhaps yeah. that's so for anybody out there that, that took debate in college, took debate in high school. I didn't go that far. I'd fucking find I fucking I gave anywhere. it up. In, I, yeah. <laughs> I gave yeah. it up. Pissed off my teacher. But just know that a good pedigree in debate can lead you to creating a podcast. How there about that? Go. There's something there. That's, that seems... <laughs> Bravo! Uh, <laughs> a marginal achievement at best, right? But Hey, eloquent, and you can think on your feet. Sure, there we go. And steer the conversation Fuck in the yeah. direction there you want go. it to go, that's, right? That's right. <laughs> no, Sandra, actually, blah, 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 blah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try not to be combative, which is a key ingredient to debate. In you know, school. but it's funny, you know, we're talking about debate and I'm, I keep saying it's a game. I think that was part of it was that like once, you know, high school was wrapping up and mm-hmm. I'm like, my parents thought, oh, she's going to be an attorney. Like that was they really thought wow. this is the path right here. 
And I was like, I can't dedicate my life to something that I think is a game. Like, that's not <laughs> how this works. You but know? then you got married. So what's the... No, yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Um, but, you know, so that was where I really started to, like, like lose myself again. You know, I mean, in high school, I was so focused in the grades and yeah. like, play the game and do the you know, do all of that. And then like, once I realized, oh shit, like this is, no, this is not the direction I want to go in. And yeah. How do I, you know, how do I get, get back, back into who I think I am, you know, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody goes on that journey. The, no, we all do, but, and we wear different masks, you know, we right? go through phases and, and they all culminate into being who the, the person we are now. But, but debate is, is a very formative thing for, for high school. It's, it's, at least for me, it's kind of some somewhat of your social group. It's where you're spending your time after school. Like there's all this stuff that you, your weekends too, where I learned how to tie a tie. Like there's some some, <laughs> some amazing things that happen with debate. And so what you just made the choice that you didn't want to pursue it in college. Yeah, I just I had no interest in and nothing against people who are attorneys. It's no, just, sure. To me, it wasn't, you know, the, I think playing the game is really interesting, but my passion was about you know connectivity with a different kind of thing and yeah. it was more it was i knew it was going to be more arts related were you writing or doing music or anything at that point so yeah in high school actually the guy tony that i mentioned earlier mm -hmm. he and i uh, started hanging out listening you know to great music and that's when i started to kind of go into that alternative world of music before then it was everything my parents and my parents friends listened right. to right and so that was like my first exposure to like the Pixies and, oh, wow. you know, that whole line of... What, uh, which, which album was the um, one that you kind of stepped into? You know, I mean, I kind of... I, I remember hearing uh, Here Comes Your Man yeah, on the radio yeah. on K-Rock 106.7 <laughs> for any Los Angelinos who, who... That was that was the place. Yeah, that was that it. That launched a lot oh, of stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, and I was like, oh, this is really great. Of course, that was kind of their hit. And then, um, I don't know, I think... I mean, Come On Pilgrim yeah. was awesome and i love surfer rosa i love them all really yeah. um but it was it was something that was maybe giving you more of your own voice like yes and so what ended up happening is um of course as it always is when there's a girl around do you want to sing back up you know? <laughs> we have a <laughs> like, keyboard too well actually no kim deal played bass so you could always play bass too well and that was the thing he always we always would like play Pixie songs, yeah. so he was so excited to have like the Kim Deal voice, oh, that's you so know. Cool, yeah. And so I always, did, you know, and so we did that. And I was not playing bass at the time because uh, Ian, who would eventually become my husband, yeah. was playing bass in this high school band. Yeah, yeah. No shit, yeah. really. Yep, yep. So he and Tony were a thing, you know, doing their yeah, music like a, and peas in a pod creatively that kind of like real close friends and stuff no not no, friends no. at all oh, like really? super different like the only thing they had in common was music gotcha which was huge yeah. you know and so when tony wanted to bring me on as a backup singer like ian was like i don't know about that you know <laughs> and then he met me and the story goes that he you know was really happy with me but right. he never showed it right sure, i sure. wouldn't have known and uh, so a couple of years and we played music together and we had a kick-ass drummer who was just an animal, this guy, Greg. Um, and we were, had this band called Catherine Wheel, which obviously we had, we had to change. <laughs> Wait a minute, I've heard of you. Yeah, guys. we had to change yeah. the name. <laughs> and uh, But we had this great little band and we played around with a lot of the other OC bands at the time, Orange County bands at the time. Yeah. And what, what year are we talking? This would have been 1990. 
Oh wow! So this is before this is before <laughs> stuff. This is like this is Surfer Rosa days. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a grunge as we know of it. Didn't was only starting starting to trickle exactly. into a, into a scene. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. you guys were ahead of it. It was who pretty was really cool. like influential to you then besides the Pixies? It was all real different. Like Ian was t- listening at that time, like to the Wonder stuff, like oh, crazy, okay. and but he was also informed by music like the Ventures, you know. Mm, uh-huh, right. So of course, and then Tony was very informed by the Beatles and James and the Pixies and then Donovan and, you know, like just kind of and then Greg, our drummer, was like Metallica. (laughs) But he also he and I really enjoyed um, like Lush and Ride and all those kind of like. You know, shoegazy, Manchestery kind of, oh, right? Like, yeah, hitting a, a soft spot in my so heart. I'm, 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 who am I trying to think of? Um, adore, like I want, I want to, I want you to adore me. Who is that fucking? Oh, uh, Stone Roses. Thank you. Yeah, God, that that was huge. huge. I don't know if they're Manchester though. Are they from Manchester? Uh, I lump it all together, yeah. but no, they're probably not. But same, from but, there. same but same aesthetic though. Yeah, even Blur was star now. Oh, and Blur. Point. See, and I, I like I kind of liked Blur, but no, then, but now I'm like this insane Blur fl- Blur fan. Yeah, but they Oh man. Well, we they're saw changing. Stone Roses and Blur play at Coachella about I don't know four years ago. Oh man, how was that? And oh, Stone Roses. They poor guys. I mean, it was There's, great for me because it was yeah. Stone Roses, and I'd never had a chance to see him, but it wasn't very good oh, but man. blur kicked all because well, because damon keeps playing live jesus. he's been playing he's never stopped playing jesus live. they were so good and they played Grand all Pop the soon. hits i was like yes oh man <laughs> so i've happy. only seen that i saw them one time in 95 they oh and and how was it pretty awesome yeah but i didn't get it then that's the thing oh that, that sucks doesn't that suck when you like see a band and you're like oh i don't really get it and then you 20 years later like what Damn was it. I thinking? Right. I could have just, if I'd paid a little bit more attention, you know, yeah. I would have enjoyed the show. Like when I saw Sonic Youth was my first show. And I've mentioned this before on the show. My first no ever kidding. show, R.E.M. and Sonic Youth. What? Yeah. Fucking great, great show. But this was Jet uh, Jet Set, No Star, Trash or whatever, that record on Geffen. That was when I when I saw them, which was a little bit after they'd wow. been such a big force in New York and in indie rock and stuff. But I didn't get it. And I'm so regretful i'm like want to go smack myself and say no like listen to it just a little bit more just to me it was like this is so loud that was all uh, i could think about <laughs> it that's all i could fucking think at any rate so how did the music thing work out you guys were playing a lot in no scene yeah so ian kicked me out of the band <laughs> <laughs> is no, it because he loved you true story yeah. that's what he says now yeah but i don't know i think i mean part of it i think was that he just really like wanted like to be very serious yeah. you know about music and and i you know i was there to have a good time and um and so we parted ways uh, i stayed friends with the rest of the guys and then like about two years later ian and i end up getting together at one of those Whoa, you know how like did that how'd you guys rejoin like, <laughs> you know you know that party like someone always throws that part that very first party after everybody's gone off to college yeah yeah and it's that thanksgiving weekend and everybody's back you mm-hmm. know and so there was a party and I'm there and Ian's there and I just walked up to him and I was just like, man. And, you know, I had words with him and yeah. stuff about like, why, why'd you do that? We had a good thing going. And then the next thing you know, we stayed up all night, like hanging out, Talking. chatting, then went yeah. on a date the next day. And and it was that secured. was 92. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so you guys have been. When did you guys get married? 98. Wow. 90, so yeah. 20, 90, coming up. Tw- 20 years. 18, soon. 19 years. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's fast math, everybody. I'm yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, that's amazing. Yeah, so, and it, it was crazy. I mean, we never made music together. Like after that, like well, once we got together, we didn't make music together until just recently. That's so crazy. Because it was kind it's of be the right time, right? Yeah, and there that's was what like it, takes. it was like a little bit of a I don't I don't know like I think we were both a little nervous to like yeah. broach. No, I've you know, I've the, tried to write music with Lydia before, and my producer mode kicks in because I've worked worked with bands for for years, you know. And I'm like, hey, singer, because I'm a singer, like you can't bullshit me. I suck at times, and you suck at times. Like that's what happens. Singers are the most vulnerable part of the band. Oof, it's it's hard. It's yeah. hard. It's so hard, and you gotta listen to yourself. Blah, oh, blah, blah. it's terrible. But it. But once you do it, you come out the other side, and you're like, all right, I get singing. Singing's great. And so I treat singers in a particular way. I'm like, can try this, try this other thing, and. We were working together trying to write a song. I was like, oh, there's this guitar thing. And, mm-hmm. and like the way that I would treat her as like someone in the studio. And that just fucking tarnished our chances for a couple of years of being able to write oh, songs tough. together. I know, but that's my fault. You know, it's it's one of those things like it's <clears throat> different when you write music with somebody you love. It, it just is. It's got to be. Because right. like think about Wings. I don't know how difficult that was for Paul to work with Linda, you know. That's got to be. It got to be really tough. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're the fucking most famous singer of all time, basically, like still, Linda was probably like, I'm not doing that, Paul. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, probably, <laughs> it's still probably like there's some, some difficulty. So, but, but it's one of those things, you know. And I digress. And I, I suspect that much how, how you guys kind of found this place and you're able to write music sometime after i think that's probably hopefully what i can i can aim for. you will i yeah. think once you learn how to have you know that conversation as you know you're like your conversation as a couple but yeah. then your conversation as two people working together it's versus, different right yeah because it's, it's both it's very uh, one of these things patting my head patting right? my stomach it, it's a very difficult balance and i think you're right kind of being sensitive and not to as men can be task oriented you know, yeah, which is difficult. Well, and especially with writing music, because there's such a I mean, it's it is about your creative expression and the love or the mm-hmm. angst or frustration or whatever it is you're feeling. And you are trying to, like, you know, share that emotion. So it's this really weird kind of place that you go to where you're like, OK, well, this is it's business, but it's also, you know, it's mm-hmm. also creative. But it's overlapping now into our personal relationship, it but so it should. Counter- yeah, for sure. So it's it, it, it should. It's so counterintuitive. Right. It is puzzling to to think like how do you balance making a song with which in itself is a project because there has to be a verse, has to be at least how I see it. Pop. <laughs> there's got to be a chorus. There's got to be a verse, right? Like there's got to be some sense of instrumentation. But at the same time, how do you do that and balance structure? with giving a raw emotional reaction yeah to to lyrics or to to a melody and I it's mean, tough it's, it's really tough. tough it's really tough especially like when i come to him with like i got it yeah and i've got this idea and i like i i i put my you know i put my iphone the iNotes on right, and I, right. I like i play the music and i sing along with it and then i like take it to him and i'm like here it is what do you think and he's like no oh, and i'm like oh man no. like it just breaks me yeah you know but i try to understand like where okay why no like why just no he's like i i I don't know i have to think about it but like his immediate knee-jerk reaction is no wow or i'll just do something so weirdly random like that i'm not even thinking about it he'd be like that's it 
I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I wasn't paying <laughs> like, attention to what yeah, I was I doing. Know, I was so, just doing it. So it's interesting. Like, what's I guess the point is like, what's super important to me yeah. or meaningful to me might not be to him, and so you have to find that balance. That it's a metaphor for relationships in general. Hey, because it can. Right? It, it really is. It's not just about music, you know. Right? So when when you kind of wrapped up high school, you had this party, you run into Ian again. Right. <laughs> Did you, and, but you know that you don't want to do debate anymore because of the game. You know that you don't want to be a lawyer, which is, I guess, the next evolution of being in debate. So... Did you head off to college after high school? Yeah, I did. I mean, of course, you like you got to go to school. Sure. So I went to a lot of pressure there, like in the family. I, you know, no, my no. folks were always like very like whatever you want to do, honey, we'll support you. Mm-hmm. Like I have an incredibly supportive family unit, which is awesome. That's cool. Um, but I ended up just you know I was like, well, I don't want to waste money like at a university just yet, not knowing what I want to do. So I did a community college thing for mm-hmm. a couple of years, which they actually were kind of disappointed in that because really well because I had like pretty like solid grades and yeah. like I could have gotten into, but I'm like I don't want to spend the money yet, you know, like I'm not there yet. Yeah, so yeah. um, so I ended up just doing a little bit of community college and I fell in love with art history. Oh, and I was like, any "Oh, pa- here we go." Any particular period? Well, you know, of course, you kind of get exposed to Renaissance right away sure, when you take yeah. Art One Hundred and One. But I really, um, I really, I thought Baroque was incredible, mm. and I think maybe it was just kind of like, "Well, everybody knows about Renaissance. I really want to learn about Baroque <laughs> art," you know. And so it was yeah. kind of this like, you know, I mean, I'm still a teenager, yeah, right, yeah. at that point, and just wanting to be kind of different, and um, and I thought Art History was just. that was it I was like this is going to be the discipline that teaches me to you know embrace art Um, I know how to I kind of know how to create art ish Mm -hmm. you know but I want to learn about the history of it and I I, history to me is fascinating and learning about history through the lens of art to me was really fascinating which is a great if you were to eavesdrop into history art is the best conduit for that yeah you know? i mean it incorporates religion politics sure. you know aesthetic humanity's style, aesthetic fashion, exactly yeah. exactly and so i thought i'm like well this will be great i still don't know what i want to do <laughs> but it'll be really great so i took that i was you know i went on that path for a while wow. so but right but baroque was your thing at the time yeah. yeah at the time and then you know ended up kind of really i took another class art theory and i just realized like oh man like just the psychology behind the philosophy of art is yeah. like fascinating to me. And so that just caught me going down that path. Interesting. And, and this is all at community college? Or you no, no, tra- no. I ended up at Cal State Long Beach. Cal State. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. was, what did you ultimately veering and turning and having all those different influences and inspirations? Would you end up finishing it with a degree in there? I had a, yeah, I got a degree in art history. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I really focused, um, you know, um, on actually like Warhol and art theory Mm -hmm. and Basquiat and just a lot of that, a lot of that, just what is art, you know? Right, right. And, uh, and then the whole time working in restaurants and that's kind of, you know, just. Did you want to teach? Like what was the ultimate goal you think with getting the the degree in art history. I thought about it, but as I like about two years into it, I realized like I'm not going to end up doing anything in the discipline. Oh, I just knew that the discipline was going to make me a kind of person that I wanted to be. And yeah. I, you know, so. Yeah, kinda... that's amazing. That That's a really brilliant uh, realization. <laughs> no, no, I know. I mean, I mean, you know, maybe like people say, well, what's she going to do with that? Like, but it doesn't matter. No, it's, I was just being lazy. To, but to, to be like, <laughs> <laughs> to make the call and say, like, yeah, I really enjoy this, but I'm probably not going to 
gonna take it any further. I Cutting knew. your losses. That's pretty. That's pretty in, intelligent for a kid to, to I, be able it, to do that. It just no. I think it was me being kind of lazy. I, <laughs> I was just like, I know I'm not gonna do anything with this, yeah. and I kind of love the restaurant business. Like, really, I want to do that. Like, this excites me. You know, what is and, it? Was it the community and the the empathy and like being around people? What was it? Hospitality. Yeah. I know this. That word has been thrown around. No, it's a good so theme. much lately. It, but it's it almost kind of grates on me though. a little bit. But no, that's but that's but it. Like, that that was it for me. Distill it all down. Yeah, it is hospitality for sure, which is empathy and community. Yeah, right. Like that. That really is what it is. So, what was your first kind of eye-opening gig in the hospitality industry? Um, I le- leading up to. Um, I mean, I have to mention I worked for my aunt who owned this tiny little Italian restaurant, oh, cool. which was great, and sh- that's kind of where I learned like the you know ins and outs and and what it meant to like run a restaurant. I yeah. mean, I'd be there by myself with the cook. Sometimes we would just do it all, and it was fun, you know, and getting to like know the people and the yeah. regulars and you know and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then from there, did a couple other things, but I ended up at this really cute little dive bar converted into a restaurant called Memphis. Um, which now is Memphis Restaurant Group in Southern California. Oh, but wow. um, myself, another, a friend of mine, and then the three owners and a couple other people, we opened this place like just randomly. You know, I stumbled into the job and they had this great vision. And um, and that was where, you know, at like 20 years old, 20, 21 years old, mm-hmm. that was where I finally was like, oh, I'm home. You got it. Like it all like made, made I wanted sense. to hang out there when I wasn't working. It yeah. was that kind of a place, you know, and. Um, great food and that's where I learned about wine and you know and cocktails eventually yeah. so what, what year were you that would have been 95 96 so there was not a cocktail scene yet uh there was in well, 90 so, so nationally let's put it that no way. no in 1998 mm-hmm. working there we put uh we got a liquor license and we're like we're gonna do this right Oh, We're going to have a, a well-made cosmopolitan. We're yeah. going to have a mint julep with crushed ice, you know, yeah, like, yeah. and we're going to make our own simple syrup, you know? And so that was, I think that was about 98. It was kind of lost on me at the time. It right. was more of a mechanical thing, you know, learning how to make these drinks and stuff. Um, it wasn't until later when I came to Austin that I, you know, really dealt. You see, yeah, see how it was turning into a thing. Yes, yeah. for sure. But Memphis, I mean, they definitely they put a, a they put several careers on the maps and 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 really like they still are a hub, which is super exciting for me. I just went back actually a couple weeks ago and had dinner there. Is it what what you have remembered same. it? Yeah, it's exactly the same. You which still is hang out there? Super exciting, and yeah. I totally loved hanging out there all night. So a cool. couple different people came by and yeah, sat, yeah. we chatted, and. You know, it was really great. That's amazing. So, so you kind of hopping in in a positive sense, like with some other gigs in California too. Like in the that hospital. was it for me. That was it. I oh, mean, okay. I got so lucky to land that gig, and just I wrote it. I'm a very like once I find something I love to you do, I am pretty loyal. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've been with Twin 15 years. That's insane. So, idea. yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know. That's a long time. I moved. Ian and I decided to move here in 2000. What was what was the impetus for um, moving? We, you know, you're newly married and you want to kind of make your own mark. Yeah. And um, his folks were here and we were kind of like, where do we want to move in the country? Let's do something different. And we were looking at maybe like Seattle or mm. Boston. And I'm like, I don't want to be cold. Right. And <laughs> I don't uh, want to be sad. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get sad and I don't want to be cold. And uh, yeah, but great towns, both of them. Sure. No disrespect at all. Uh, I like being hot. 
<laughs> and um, and so Ian's folks are here. And so we're like, yeah, let's go to Austin. It'll be really fun. And we moved here. Like, we had no jobs, nothing lined up. Wow. And we just moved here. And I, I actually was in HEB. Uh-huh. And I was like, where the heck is the absolute Citron? That's what I was drinking <laughs> oh, at the time. Oh, because it was in, in California. Yeah, it's all over right? in the grocery stores. And my, my mother-in-law goes, oh, honey, you got to go to the package store next uh, door. And I'm like, package what? <laughs> was this Hancock? No, 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 no. This was out in Bee Cave. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And I walked into what was Twin Liquors number eight wow. at the time. And I was like, oh, this is it. This is totally it. This tiny little shop. Like, super, like, condensed, like, you know, because I was, like, very into wine and I was very into spirits, yeah. like, at Memphis. But you're limited to the wine list, you know, when you're at a restaurant or right, your cocktail right. list. And here I am in this store that has everything. Absolutely. And so I just, like, my mind was blown and I had a job the next day. No there. And Wait, So it, this is 2000? 2000. So mm-hmm. you, what, what was the pitch? How did you get the job? I just was like, are you hiring? This place is awesome. And the guy running the store at the time, Craig, this New Yorker, he goes, yeah, you got any experience, you know? And I was like, oh, well, you know. And, and uh, actually, at the time, I interviewed with the president of the company because oh, yeah? that's how small we were that he was doing the hiring. Oh, that's so cool. And had lunch with him and, yeah, and got hired on. And so you've grown as they've grown. Exactly. You were there when yeah. it was just kind of uh, burgeoning. Yeah, there, w- there were only, uh, let's see, if I was store eight, there were like 12 stores at the time. Man. And we're at 70, 80 stores now. It's an so. am- that is an amazing, so uh, I take it, take, as an aside, I always have like these, these asides. Aside, these, I like <laughs> asides. It lets me have a an drink aside. while we're yes, having an yes. aside. So we're having an aside, a, uh, mm-hmm. what might be a footnote to the conversation. <laughs> Twin is a beautiful organization and the people that work there are fucking incredible. Thank you. And as a person on the other side of the fence, right, I don't serve, I'm producing and all this. You guys have been nothing but amazing to deal with. And the partnerships that we've had and like the support we've had from twin has been just nothing short of inspiring. Cause you, you get in, you, you distill something, right? You make this juice and you're like, Hey, you want this juice? Some people are like fuck off. Other people are like yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> there are some, you know, people at Specs are like, eh, we don't really care. We can make money doing what we're doing, right? And this is me saying this, not you. And but Twin was they always came to the conversation open and flexible and really wanting to make a difference in the the scene, like the spirit scene. And I I can't thank you guys enough for for the support you've given Genius and all the stuff that that's we've been very generous on. of you to say. I mean, I think that that's probably why one of the main reasons yeah. why I still work for twin 15 years later. Um, despite that's a the lo- fact that is a long yeah, time. That's a great is. stint there. Yeah. Uh, is because that, you know, we've all, we always take care of the other person first. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's a rule to live by is Absolutely. to always make sure that people around you are taken care of and then everything else falls into place, you know, but, but I, you know, 15 years is a long time, but I've also, you know, I was an associate, then a manager, then yeah. I was a regional manager, and now I'm marketing and events for the last, you know, five years. Yeah. So it's almost like I've had these different jobs. Which is cool because you've different. seen all elements of the business. Yes. You know, yeah. and like from every angle. And I think that it's incredibly valuable to get in at that point. I mean, that's, that's a really, that was the, the perfect time because you can start, I, I don't know, did you start in sales then at that point? Or did you do a store manager? I went from an associate to a manager. And then from there, 
and it was actually before we even really had a regional manager i just was like i went to the owners and i was like we have a need for this thing yeah. this position and so um i don't want to say the position was created for me because it was a position that was needed but i was one of the first people to hold it and then same thing on the marketing you know i was like all right we need a director of marketing yeah. you know i'm doing all this all of these things that mean director of marketing and right, so right. At, at a point it was like they gave me the title so it's been really interesting like it's it's still in a lot of ways you know mom and pop but sure. but it's also a corporation and yeah. and while that has its frustrations you know and the owners will be the first people to admit that that has its frustrations mm. at the same time like it may it's very liberating and it makes the company very nimble and it makes it easy for us to be able to be open yeah. and work with you know new all, brands all or whatever yeah, it is you know sizes. that's exciting and new um, and to me, that's, that's the most exciting part of it, you know, is that I, freedom. Yeah, absolutely. That you use the word nimble. I think that's a great way to describe mm -hmm. twin because you guys seem like you're ahead of it at all times, you know, like you kind of, sometimes you, we try I mean, to be, well, at least, at least for the, those of us not behind the curtain, it seems like you guys are well-prepared, good staff, always carrying the, the best product. We have great people. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of the people who work for twin, you know, I'm good friends with, which is, it's nice to be able to have that camaraderie. And yeah. that's what I had in my other job too with Memphis. It was like, we all hung out together. I want that. That's yeah. what I want out of my life and my career and my job. And I don't, I don't want, to be an attorney fighting and playing a game. I want, I want, you know, you want this. to fight the good fight. I want to yeah. sit and talk with Mike G and have some whiskey. Yeah. You know? I don't know who doesn't want to do that. Actually, I guess Dennis Gobis, he doesn't want to do that. We're this is, uh -oh. I, at some point I'll bring some drama into this. But yes, so you know, Dennis doesn't listen to it and he just won't. He's afraid to sit down and talk to me. I don't know why. Why is he why? I think because there? we have we have some things to share with each other. You need a coke. You need a coke. Some more. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get Lavenue in, and then 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 it's like then the rest will fall. Right. I'll get all his staff. The dominoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh, how funny. It's funny. It's, it's totally funny. Well, so speaking of sipping some bourbon, the the bottle that we selected this particular session is none other than the beautiful limited edition small batch barrel strength release from Four Roses for 2015, which is 54.3 percent. It's delicious. Real delicious. Um, very tight, very easy to sip. Does benefit from a little water. Yeah, you know, a couple a drops really opened it up. Yeah, what'd you think? I think it's beautiful. Yeah, and the heat on it actually, for, I mean, for being brawl, it was yeah, not the not heat on it was really. I wouldn't have guessed, you know. Me either. Um, but yeah, a couple drops of water opened it up really, really nicely. I I love. I mean, I love all kinds of whiskey. I can mm -hmm. appreciate, you know, appreciate it all. It's I almost things. was going to reach for that ancient age. I was like, I don't <laughs> oh, know. Right. I'm, yes. feeling, I'm feeling kind of, you know, like. Yes. I just got that yesterday. I love so, ancient age. Dude, check it out. So ancient age. <laughs> uh oh, now, now we're not going to be able to find it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I did is ancient age 10 star because the 10 year they don't make anymore. And I got a bottle. I had some guy that, I, that he said he was going to sell me a bottle 10 year. He did, and he sent me a bottle of 10 Star. But I'm like, all right, whatever. Okay. And so I sipped it. I'm like, man, I really like this. And I finished a couple bottles of it. I was like, I have a feeling this is going to be hard to get. I really do. And so I went searching, and I've got my dealer, as I allude to him oh, in these boy. conversations, who got me this bottle, for example. And I said, hey, dealer, what's the deal? No one's got H&H &H 10 Star. Can you check with whoever's got it? And see, he's like, 
yeah, so they're not making it in 750s anymore. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. He goes, all I can see is they've got six cases left, and that's it. Six six packs? Do you want some? One seven fives. I'm like, yes. Oh, crazy. Yes, I do. So I, I was like, buy a case, and he's going to buy the rest of it up for all of Austin because oh, there's none sweet. on order, nothing. So for some reason, like I think maybe H&A is the new old charter because the oh, old my. charter 8, the old charter 10, all that stuff's gone. But there's something really beautiful about those like low people consider them lowbrow whiskeys, you know, but they're fucking good. Right. They're really good. Well, it's funny when I worked at when I very first started with twin and I was mm. working at the bee caves, little bee cave store and the Lakeway store that I managed like I Lakeway was the retirement community yeah, We're still right. still kind of is. But at the time, it really was. Yeah. Yeah. And everything out there was like, you know, case of old charter mm-hmm. case of ancient age case of um old overhaul oh yeah, yeah but it was all like the 80 year old dudes who yeah want, and i didn't even that? really carry it i would just order a case and keep it in the back for them like oh, okay mr mccarthy you know right. here's your case or whatever that's what he told me too only the 80 year olds drinking i'm like it's amazing what? why so it all comes back around it man. does am i i'm an old soul or something or i'm like aging like benjamin well, buttons or something no no, no. <laughs> it's, it just all comes it's, back it around. totally does and and you know, everybody is real hip on these other kinds of bourbons that are out, like all the, the Van Winkle stuff, which is fine, right? But the, no one's dr- – here's the thing that's the problem. You buy Ancient Age, you drink that shit. Mm-hmm. You're you not buy, afraid to drink not it. Not afraid to drink it at all. It's that's 21 what, bucks for a 175 dri- Yes, you hit it. That's what drives me crazy about that allocated stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'll enjoy it if somebody pours it for me. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, for sure. But it's like, I want to be able to buy a bottle and know that I can enjoy it and not feel bad about finishing it. And there's so many people that are shifting the way that the market works with it and they're just keeping it to sell it. And I'm like, this is, this is so frustrating because I can, I can get bottles, but they're twice the amount that I spent for them last year, you know? And it's insane. Like all the the way that all these prices have been inflated by people that aren't even drinking it. Well, what's interesting about that is like, now like now the consumer now there are way more you know consumers like that now which is kind of you know everything has its place like you need that five percent of consumers to be that way so that you can get you know fetch the money for the expensive stuff right right so to speak but you know it's like with art right yeah it's the same thing with art and but all of a sudden now the scale is just tipping where it's like, I mean, everybody wants the rare and collectible stuff. Yeah. Like everybody. I know. And but, it's- but for what purpose? <laughs> like some people, I want to drink that shit. I, I yeah. do. And I want to share it. Actually, I want to share it more than I want to drink it. Yeah. You know, but these bottles are not like this four roses. It's not easy to come by. It happens no. once a year. I don't know how much, how many bottles you guys got, you know, but it, it's, it's, it's expensive stuff. Not a lot. But yeah. Not, not a lot. lot. But no. it, bourbon is something meant to be shared. It's not been meant to be coveted and like taken and put in a closet for 10 years and then sell it because it's going to be valuable. It's it's not. I don't think that's healthy for bourbon. A little bit of it is. Yeah. Maybe not a little a lot. bit. Not but that's that, a but that's the mo- That's yeah. the standard MO. It's like, crazy right people now. Come in, he was telling me like people are coming down from Dallas now because they can't get it up there, but they're coming down here to buy it so that they can sell it. Seeing that I don't that's, like. That's, in, that's that terrible. It's totally terrible. Buy it, gift it, enjoy it. Yeah, share man. It. It's, yeah. It, it's a piece of, if I if I die tomorrow, I have one sealed bottle and that's pretty good. The rest of them, I've enjoyed at least a couple drams, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just one of those things. But do you, would you consider yourself more of a, a whiskey person? 
I think so. I mean, that really is where I'm going to go yeah. most of the time. What is it about it? Um, It's easy on me. Yeah. You know, as I get, <laughs> as I get older, you yeah. know, I have to pay attention to that kind of stuff. And tequila, too. Tequila and whiskey. Yeah. Um, They're easy on me. Gin makes me, like, I'll get wasted, like, really? right away with gin. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Um, and I'll, I'll tell uh, you some gin uh, after the interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, and then red wine was my first love. So I do. I love I love some red wine, but yeah. I can't really drink too much white champagne beer kind of screws with my headachey type stuff. Yeah. But um, whiskey and tequila are good to me. They make me feel good. They yeah. put me in the right frame of mind. You can wake up in the morning feeling fine. N- yeah. Never feel bad. Um, you know, and and they're just like I said, they're good to me. Yeah. How's the, the craft thing been for you? Cause you've been, you've been immersed in the booze business for long enough now yeah. to have seen the uprising of small guys kind of making some things that are good, some things that are great, some things that are not so great. Do you, do you kind of feel like it's going to keep getting bigger or do you think there are going to be some market saturation, so to speak? Yes. And yes. Um, I think it's interesting. Cause like looking at it, from our point of view and all of our peers, like we think like, oh my God, it's so saturated. It's so done. And I mean, the craft cocktail movement and the craft spirits movement and all of that. But what, what I see, you know, through like the retail side of things Mm -hmm. is it's just really starting to take hold with the, I call it the pedestrian consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of like, I, I lie with a, foot in both worlds like i mean i've got a foot in your craft world but i've also got a foot in that kind of sure you you know i have to right yeah you have to and so this year specifically it was amazing to me um working the i worked the retail floor at christmas oh cool because i want to know my customer well they see in the commercials like where's that girl in the commercial right she's got to work at one of these stores (laughs) and i do (laughs) (laughs) but i get out there and i talk to consumers and that to me was just absolutely fascinating to me how much um they don't know about the product and how much they want to know like all of a sudden they're craving the information and the knowledge which is super exciting again i'm not talking about our peer group i'm no but but that's but we're insular so yes we we are we're all cool we know all the cool stuff and but but it's not the thing i've learned that's really important if you have a business is that it's not about me it's Mm -hmm. about the consumers it's about yeah. people that can spread the word people that will enjoy it and if those people are craving more craft gins then god bless them then we'll keep doing it you know it's but it's, it's incredible yeah. like it, there was something about this season that was just like whoa like it caught on yes wow. yes we did it that's amazing i feel like saying that to all of us yeah, like, yeah. gee we did it yeah. you know like all of our friends like we're celebrating it right <laughs> it's now like, you know, I mean, from our very first Tipsy Tech University class. Yeah, in, yeah. I guess 2010, maybe. I think it yeah, was something, something around something then. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I was, I was in that first class, and you know, it was just kind of like, "What are we doing, guys?" And it's like, yeah, it's like, ah, oh, we did it. So it's it's phase one is over. Infancy is over. Yeah. Now it's time to mature, I guess. And it's and it's really amazing to see like people out there doing, you know, like what you're doing, you know, taking it to that next level and. And people like, you know, Jay at 86 Company and right, Bill. Right, and right. I mean, you know, Bill being a, you know, for a national chain, <laughs> yeah. being a beverage director it's is amazing. amazing. And proliferating that message is so exciting to me um, that that is going to help. It's going to help a lot. I think so, too. Yeah. 
So when are you going to leave the business to pursue your music career with Auto Division? Oh, not without, probably not with Auto Division. I don't know. You know, now that Ian's playing with the Ventures, mm -hmm. um, I think, I, I, I mean, I love working for Twin. I'll do it as long as I can. Um, I think if I do see a future for me in the music business, that's probably going to end up being something like, you know, marketing side yeah. or PR side. Artist and, relations. Sure. And then like, hey, if you need me to sing some backup, I'll do it. You know? <laughs> like, I know I represent you, <laughs> but I know it'll be cheaper. I've been looking at the PL. It'll be so much cheaper if I just come and do some background sessions for you. That's why that's so funny you say that, because that's kind of why I do the twin liquors commercials. It was kind of like this, hey, we have this idea for this sale and blah blah blah. And well, who's going to do the commercials? And the owners were like, well, I mean, why? it wasn't so much like why right, be an right, actor, right. but it was like, well, Sandra, you can She's do it. She's pretty much an actress, I mean, right? you yeah. can do it, right? You got on stage and, before. But it's kind of like that thing. It's just like, remember I was saying earlier about the fact that I'm like this kind of, you know, lone wolf and this yeah, one yeah. woman show. And, and I just feel like, well, gosh, if I can just do it, let me just do it real fast. Yeah. It's kind of just, that. Are you are you rolling? Let me just do it. I'll real do quick. It and, like yeah. real quick. Let me just do it. And then we're done and let's move on. And so yeah. it's kind of like there there is a little bit of that, yeah. you know, and it's um, it's definitely not an ego thing. It is absolutely just getting shit done. Right? It's getting shit done. kind yeah. of thing. That is exactly what it is. And it's so funny because I still like shake my head about yeah. the, whatever it is, the commercials or the fact that, you know, Ian and I would put out that EP and now he's doing, you know, the venture stuff, which is mm -hmm. so amazing. And he's going to start traveling, which is crazy. And yeah. so I'll That's be a lot. A I lot know I'll, I'll be managing. I'll probably end up managing his, you know, image or whatever you want to yeah. call it. Oh, image is good. If that makes sense. Yeah. I need, I need an image manager. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not even being, I'm not patronized. I, I probably do. Well, it's kind of crazy too, because even, even, like he's he's only gone over to get introduced in Japan, but mm. he hasn't like gone and actually like played a full tour. But already like the Japanese fans are, you know, very particular and they want information and they, yeah. you know, and they're just they eat it all up. And I'm like, I was telling him the other day, I'm like, man, you're going to have to stay on top of this. Like this is going to wow. this is going to be another job. And yeah. He's like, you have to help me. So, <laughs> help me please. <laughs> so that's kind of like I definitely see like that being part of you know, part of what we, what we end up doing yeah. together. And we're definitely a team for sure. And it's for a long time now. Yeah. And it's if, pretty you know, inspiring too. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, it is we, when anybody makes it for over 15 years, that's a pretty good metric of making. I mean, that's kind of, uh, something to look up to about that. You know, not many people, whether you think about their job, you're talking 15 years with twin, almost 20 years in your marriage. I mean, those are, it's a it's a huge a testament to your ability to like commit to something and making sure you do something right you know that's that's not thank a lot of people you. illustrate that thank you i think i mean once i have certain things set i mm. kind of like them to just i like it to stay there. yeah you know it's like okay sure. that's good now does it mix up inside a little bit you know yeah, like yeah let's mix it up you know and let's write some music together or let's do this or that or travel or whatever yeah it may be. So, yeah, this next year is going to be super interesting with him gone for two months. And I'm going to go over and visit. Yeah. And check it out and go meet all the fun, nice Japanese people who. Beautiful. Oh, place. So easy wait. being. I know. Y'all went over. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to get around because Google sucks really bad. But people are incredibly helpful and very friendly. Oh, fun. You know, Subway is just brilliant in Tokyo. At least. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm super excited. I think it's worth it. 
it's gonna be you'll have a good time it'll be such a strange experience too you know like in terms of being over there like watching ian be this yeah in a different fucking country yeah man it's it's gotta make you pretty proud though yeah, it'll be weird. Like I look at him every day and he's my, you know, husband and my partner and yeah. my best friend and then I'm going to go over there and see him as like this person that other people look to as like a, you know, I mean rock star. I use yeah. that word loosely. He no, he would fair. want me to use that that term loosely, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it's just kind of neat to see your spouse or your partner or whoever in a different light. Yeah. It's, it's exciting and it it's is. inspiring for sure. Do you do you ever See yourself starting your own place, your own bar, your own restaurant? Um, something on the radar for you? It's always kind of been there in terms of, you know, the idea of, you know, hospitality. But, yeah. you know, I get I get kind of, I know this sounds so weird. I, it's not so much that I get lazy. It's just the the idea of, like, being committed to it and that one thing. Mm-hmm. Because I know that I would want to put everything into it. Well, yeah, you would be dedicated to it. You know, and right now, I mean, granted, Twin is a huge part of my work life, but I still can have fun with music and, you know, other things. Yeah. And, um, and not to say I couldn't if I owned my own bar, but, um, or it, it, it probably wouldn't even be a bar. It'd probably be some kind of a restaurant. What? It'll be good. It'll be interesting. Or even to a see. Ve- or a venue. I could see myself. Oh, owning, that would I could be, see yeah. myself owning a venue and having like music and stuff there. Craft cocktail emos. Well, think about that. Wouldn't that be strange? There's like <laughs> emos or uh, God, Red Eye Fly. Well, not Red Eye Fly anymore, but uh, there's Beauty Bar, Holy Mountain. But anyway, I've none of those places have ever had craft co- craft cocktails. It'd be interesting. Maybe that it'll change that way. The people will want to go see like hot water music. And Maybe. Drink, drink, I never want a craft cocktail when I'm seeing a band. Is that either. weird? I just want to drink whiskey. I want a whiskey. <laughs> I want so a whiskey weird. or a club soda yeah. <laughs> if I'm DD. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe I would want a, a, my own play, like my own venue just so I could hang out with the band. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to talk to you guys. <laughs> well, so let, let's end on this then. We all are today in a state of mourning because... You know, I was. I think we were all very lucky that. So Mark Marin on WTF just recently did an interview with, with Lemmy, and Lemmy talks about doing guitar tech for Jimi Hendrix, being in the room where Hendrix premiered in the UK, Amazing. and Eric Clapton was there. I think Paul McCartney as well, and you know they they just didn't get it. Like he 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 was there at such important times in music, and then he himself being such an important figure and icon in in rock. But today, having all that had having having happened. How, how are you feeling about it? I never had like a huge connection to Motorhead, yeah. you know, and like I respect everything about music in terms of, you know, what he did. And of course, you know, um, read a little bit more about him today. Yeah. Um, but anytime you see someone like that pass on, it's very sad. But then at the same time, you have to just be so thankful for the gifts that they gave yeah. to to the people that they gave it to. And, um, you know, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I even kind of, I felt really upset when uh, Scott Weiland passed away. Oh, I, I definitely You did, know, yeah. like, but again, like what he gave, you know, and I mean, I know some people hate them, but. No, but I, that like, was like one of the first tapes I ever had, you know. And that was tragic. You know, yeah. like that was tragic. But so. unexpected. I think Lemmy was like truly, you think it's going to catch up with him, but he seems so immortal. 
you know, drinking a, as he claimed that for some some bottle time, of Jack a, a bottle day. of Jack a day, <laughs> then shifting to vodka for health reasons, from what I read. But, I mean, <laughs> you think the guy's so bulletproof, and in a sense, he was this vestige of a different time in rock, and he seemed Im- just impenetrable, imp- rather impervious to harm, you know. And so now that the mighty have fallen, it's kind of does it make you kind of think about like your own like mortality in a way like just where you know where do I exist in the world of, oh. of music and and if you know this person went oh we're all gonna go someday you know yeah. kind of thing where, it is sobering yeah. ironically yeah that to, to think about him kind of finding out he had cancer on Christmas Eve or the day after Christmas and then it just perpetuated and escalated yeah. and but if nothing else the the message is that you don't know when your ticket is going to be no. cashed. So don't keep closed bottles. Open yeah, them all. Open everything. Open them all. <laughs> and don't ever let anything go unsaid. Because oh. it'll, it'll kind of eat at you. So tell them you love them right? and all this kind oh, of stuff. Oh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Not like, oh, you, you know what? You're an asshole. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> Won't do anybody any good, but all the all the positive stuff. All the positive stuff for yeah. sure. All the good feelings for sure. All for the good sure. stuff. So Sandra, thanks so much for one. The support we've had from Twin has been overwhelming and incredibly flattering. If nothing else, it's been inspiring. We keep moving on because of the kind of support from people like Twin Liquors. And thanks so much for you just kind of sitting down and chat with me and got to nerd out about music. And uh, drink some bourbon. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I really did. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. Well, there we go, everybody. Sandra Spalding, the director of marketing for Twin Liquors. Twin Liquors has not only been a wonderful support chain via retail and with their staff for, for myself at Genius, but also helping elevate the awareness and the vision of the San Antonio Cocktail Conference this year in 2016. So how many of you... Are going out to the conference. You, a lot of great classes, a lot of great events. Many people that have been on the show here will be facilitating classes. It's a good opportunity to get to know them in the flesh and get to see how captivating these personalities really are. I hope to see you down in San Antonio this upcoming weekend. Maybe we can share a drink. Maybe we can share a chat. But whatever it is that you do in San Antonio this upcoming weekend, please keep dancing. Keep dancing.